Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. Hey, it's Ken Gagney with Indie Cider, where I play indie games and then interview the developers. And this week I'm playing Momoka, a 2D action platformer for iOS and tvOS from Felwig Games. I'm intrigued by almost any new game that's coming out for tvOS because it's such a new platform and a new console. And after I started playing Momoka for five minutes, looked up and saw that it was an hour later, I figured it would be a worthy candidate for this week's episode. If you know what a platformer is, then you know the basics of what Momoka is. You scroll left and right, you jump, and you can fire at enemies while navigating various 2D worlds. The 2.5D comes from the graphics, not the gameplay. There is a depth to the images, but you can't move in and out of the scenery. However, this game has a little bit more of an open-world feel as opposed to the linear progression of, say, a Super Mario Bros. game. Momoka is set on a series of small planetoids and moons, where when you jump, if you are within the gravitational well of a nearby moon, you immediately flip and land on that one. Imagine Super Mario Galaxy, if you've played that, except in 2D. Now this can be rather dizzying because the screen is constantly orienting itself so that Momoka stays upright and in the middle of the screen. As you move left and right, the world scrolls as opposed to you scrolling. As you jump up and down, you flip to different planets, the whole screen rotates. Now fortunately, most of the jumping from planet to planet is very short-lived. It's primarily a means of transit from one large mass to another mass. They're connected through a series of small asteroids, for example. But eventually you get to a point in the game where you need to navigate from world to worlds that are not connected, and that's when you take to flight in your rocket ship, and you go zipping through outer space. The camera pulls back significantly, and there is a larger map that shows you a map of the nearby local solar system so that you can get from place to place. But the real action and adventure takes place once you land. And in my experience, you don't need to land at a designated specified docking port like the... No, you can in fact land your ship anywhere that's flat, kind of like the old game Lunar Lander. Sorry to be throwing so many references at you, but a lot of these games are direct inspirations for Momoka as detailed on the developer's blog. There's a link in the show notes if you want to read more about that. There's also a great video showing the evolution of the game. It was originally titled Star Life at the beginning of its three-year development cycle, and then it eventually morphed from Star Life to Momoka, from a green blob alien protagonist to a female heroine, and from 2D graphics to 2.5D, and of course, tvOS. When the game originally was being developed, there was no such thing as tvOS or the fourth generation Apple TV. The game was being planned for iOS and Mac, and eventually came out for iOS and tvOS, tvOS being where I played it, using a Nimbus SteelSeries controller as opposed to the Siri remote. I did try using the Siri remote and the iOS interface, and although both are serviceable, I highly recommend using the joystick whenever possible. You can find Momoka at fellwig.com, where there's a link to the App Store. There is, of course, a link to fellwig.com, as well as all the videos and other resources referenced in this episode at indiesider.net. You can find this specific episode at indiesider.net slash 37, because this is episode 37. You'll also find a link to our show in iTunes, where I'd love if you would leave a review to let other people know about Indiesider. That helps us be discoverable in the iTunes store. If you have any nominations for future games to feature on Indiesider, you're also welcome to tweet at me at GameBits, G-A-M-E-B-I-T-S. And with that, let's get to this week's interview. 
Today I'm speaking with two representatives of Felwig Games, the developer of Momoka. I have on the line Mr. Benjamin Withers. Hello, Benjamin. Hello. Thanks to be on the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And also joining you is Mr. Duncan Steele. Hello, Duncan. Hi there. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. Wonderful. So when I was setting up this interview, I was told that the two of you don't really have titles at Felwig Games. Can you tell me <laughs> how the responsibilities for Felwig Games breaks down? Who does what? I think we're both uh, pretty evenly split in terms of uh, responsibility. Uh, there's only there's only the two of us in Felwig Games, and we take the the coding and the artwork and everything is equal split. So neither of you has a weakness that the other plugs that gap? You're both equally strong in all the areas? I think um, Ben's probably a bit stronger at art than I am. Yeah, other than that, fairly even. Wow, that's amazing. That's great coverage in case one of you gets hit by a number 32 bus. The other one can right. back you up. <laughs> so this game has had a long development period during which it underwent a number of critical changes. Let's start at the top down. Mm. The game was originally called Star Life, which sounds to me like a great name. Was it intended as a placeholder? I think the uh, the gameplay definitely went through a number of different stages. And the, the first thing that we had was the basic gameplay running around the planet, getting into a spaceship and transferring between planets, hopping between the planets, those sorts of things. And in that context, the name Star Life, we felt was uh, was quite good because it captured generally all those things. And after a while, we knew more about what we wanted in terms of the uh, story or the character or how big the world we wanted. And it seemed to make more sense then for us to have a name which reflected that storyline or that character um, and the ambitions that that character has in terms of the story. So, yeah, so we went through a number of different names. Last Orbit was uh, one of the original ones, followed by Star Life. And eventually we came across Mocha, and that really stuck. It clicked with both of us, and, uh, yeah, we had no second thoughts about that name. Yeah. It really, yeah. Yeah, really stuck. So the game is named after the main character, Momoka. Where does that name come from? I think we went through a period of, generating names i mean you can get this this like a fantasy name generator uh, online and i think we used that for a while we couldn't really come up with anything that was satisfactory and we both played a lot of cave story and we were quite feeling the sort of japanese culture in video games so we we just came across momoka as a nice japanese uh, female name and we both liked it and that's that's basically it. You mentioned Cave Story being one of your game's inspirations. You have this great blog post about other games that inspired Momoka, including Super Mario Galaxy, which is the first thing that came to mind when I was playing it, and even Lunar Lander, which comes out later in the game when you get the rocket. One of the games you mentioned as being inspirational was The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening for the original Nintendo Game Boy, and that connection doesn't seem as obvious to me. Can you tell me about some of the inspiration you drew from that game? The Zelda games in general have very strong moment-to-moment action gameplay and they kind of glue that together into a much wider story which i think gives the game a bit a bit more meat to it really um and in zelda you have that big overworld of course with the the dungeons you descend into and then you know that's the where you spend your time kind of you know playing the game and beating bosses and solving puzzles and whatnot then you have the overworld where you uh you explore and meet people and do the kind of meta game part of it um, and that's kind of similar for us. We have the planets where little bits of the game go on and then they're all glued together in this kind of galaxy. And, um, yeah, so that's, you know, that's where it kind of came from. Link's Awakening, nothing specific. It's, it's slightly more, uh, 
amusing and lighthearted than the other Zelda games, I think, but probably just as the first one I ever played. Yeah, I think Link's Awakening was certainly one of the more experimental Zelda games where it even had, like, uh, I think it was one of the first games to have a trading element and there were even some side view action platforming areas and even crossovers with some of the Mario characters. It was really, uh, as far as Zelda games go, kind of edgy. Yeah, yeah, you even lead a chain chomp around, I think, at some point. (laughs) Some bits are quite weird. That's right, uh, that's right. Are there any sort of really weird off-the-beat moments that I can look forward to encountering in Momoka? Um, Well, I guess we want to leave some of them as surprises, but uh, there's quite a few odd characters, I think, hanging around in there, and uh, maybe the, the influence comes through through those. If you explore the village a bit, you'll see some stories going on as... It's it's a non-linear game, but there's obviously a you know you've got a basic progress through the game. As you progress through the game, you'll find the characters in the village doing things and their lives passing. Now, to what degree is it non-linear? Because in a Zelda game, you almost always have to go through the dungeons in a specific order. Do we have more flexibility in Momoka? Yes, much more. I mean, it's much more like the first Zelda or something where we we've put a much longer kind of orienting stretch of you know kind of more scripted linear gameplay to to get you used to everything. Um, but then after that, uh, it kind of lets go a bit and you can uh, explore and do the levels in whatever order you like, really, or collect the bits or not collect the bits or much more non-linear. Then it comes together again at the end so we can cap off the story. Excellent. I'm looking forward to making it further into the game. One of the other changes that the game underwent during its development was the shift from a 2D to a 2.5D art style. What what inspired that change? Because I saw some of the original 2D art in your early concept videos, and it seemed like it was quite serviceable. So why the shift from 2D to 2.5? Um, well, I think that uh, the 2D art style, we which we liked a lot, we didn't we felt like it didn't really convey the weight of uh, the game that we wanted to make. So the, the sheer scale of the galaxy, that you, of the planetary system, which you can go out and explore, um, somehow felt sort of underrepresented with just 2D art. So that was the main motivation for doing that. Um, and around the same time as we were having these thoughts, we sort of came across this low-poly artwork around the internet, and we found it to be quite beautiful. And so combining these two things, our desire to have a slightly weightier art scale, um, art style with this low poly look, we couldn't really resist this uh, temptation to convert it. Yeah. And then from a less artistic point of view, I'd say that mobile games are predominantly two dimensional arts. And so breaking away from the pack is also a, a bonus in that sense. Yeah, because there are so many mobile games out there. Anything you can do to stand out is going to be a benefit in the end. Yeah, that, that's definitely a bonus. But uh, really, uh, we were driven by this this desire to have the art really uh, in sync with the the scale or the the scope of the the adventure that Momoka goes on. And yeah, that was the main reason. Did shifting to two and a half D mean that you had to throw away all the two D art you were using and start from scratch? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, yeah, we threw a lot. We threw a lot of it away. And um, vast, vast chunks of code, um, but we got there in the end. You have on your website what you call a micro-documentary highlighting some of the first 1,511 commits. (laughs) And you can see how the game changed in some ways subtle, some ways obvious. Uh, How many... I mean, I'm not a game developer, although I love interviewing them. And can can you give me some sense for how many commits were required to produce the final product? Uh, It's about 7,500 overall, I think. 
I think, honestly, I've forgotten how we counted them in that video, but I think it came to about 7,500. Yeah, I I guess it comes down to the programmer's style, but uh, roughly every, I suppose, every small significant change that you make would deserve a commit, and um, I don't know, yeah. So it must it must vary from programmer to programmer the number of commits mm-hmm. per game. So yeah, seventy five hundred is where we got to. <laughs> and this game was in development for what would you say two years? Uh, probably more like three. Although we don't like to think of it too much. Don't we? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow! And over the course of all those commits and all the evolutions to the name, the character, the art, were there any features that you want to implement that were left on the cutting room floor that you can talk about? Yeah. So. Originally, and actually this connects with the name that you mentioned before, Star Life, we wanted to have a bit of a connection between the, the, the star in the planetary system and the health of the character, the, the hit points of Momoka. So the, the small hearts that you see around the level, the game now, uh, um, were originally little bits of star because we wanted to make a strong connection between the life of the star and the life of the character because they're somehow intertwined. Um, so we wanted to push that a bit further, but really that we tested it. Some people tested it and found the idea a bit confusing. You know, should you pick up all of these little bits of star when really you only needed them for your health? And so we felt it was just clearer overall for people to use, for us to use small hearts instead. So it's kind of a shame that we didn't have that link that we thought about more strongly in the game. Probably space flight we were looking to <clears throat> expand on a bit more. We, we we put it in there, as I said earlier, to kind of, you know, allow this sleep, seamless exploration of the galaxy. But, you know, we then started towards the end playing with flying inside planets as well for some cool gameplay stuff, but never quite got to that. But uh, there are always content updates, so. Yeah, so w- with the with the ship, yeah, I think we, yeah, we definitely got what we wanted out of the ship in the sense that, uh, as Duncan mentioned before, we wanted to have these these worlds where the sort of the core gameplay happens, jumping around the planets, doing the platforming, and connecting that with a larger sort of exploration. The ship, we think, that's what we wanted the ship to do, and we think it really does that. So we're very happy with with the ship from that point of view. But you can also involve the ship more in the gameplay, and there is some of that in Morocco. So you can you can fly inside planet with the ship and you can land anywhere you want and so on but i think it would have been cool to do a little bit more uh, on the interaction of the gameplay with the ship itself yeah i remember one of the gameplay features that blew my mind as a kid was getting the airships in the final fantasy games uh, because right. it, just, it just opens up the world so <laughs> yes. much and especially in final fantasy 4 when you get the airship known as the big whale and you discover that you can actually walk around inside the ship. Right, yes. You know, I mean, the ship at that point almost becomes its own character in the game. Yeah, that was probably one of the inspirations as well. I I, I only really put some time into Final Fantasy VII, but uh, that was definitely, yeah, had an impact on me too. Right, right. So one of the features that you say Momoka will never have is in-app purchases, which is interesting to me because I attended a game developer talk where the speaker, he was speaking about an entirely different genre of games, uh, like Facebook and social games. But one of the lessons he recommended was never limit a player's opportunity to give you money. (laughs) So why would you say no IAPs ever? I don't think it works so well for this type of game. Because I think the problem with IAPs is they, they kind of, encourage the person writing the game to write the game in such a way that 
it's good and you continue playing and you keep playing and it's kind of constant thing and obviously you can't play too well or without paying them or, or it just doesn't work out but it you know with momoka there's much more of a story and an arc and a place to be explored and so on so you really want this to be a, a you know an experience and if if it's a single purchase then you know the the only job the programmer the developers the designers have after that point is to make sure people like it as much as they can really um so i think although they they work very well for many games i don't think they really work too well for this sort of game i guess there are some that have kind of done it episodically so you've taken essentially a series of games and put them as one app and i guess it could work there but um, that's not really for us or what we're trying to do yeah, you don't want to shoehorn it in somewhere that it doesn't fit. No, certainly not. No. So I have another question about the game's character. We talked a little bit about how she evolved. It it just so happened that the weekend I was playing Momoka, I'd also picked up a couple of other games to play, Gone Home on the PlayStation 4 and Oxenfree on the Mac, and three very different kinds of games for three different platforms all happen to feature a female protagonist, which is an encouraging trend in game development. Can you talk a little bit about the character design? I saw in... Your micro-documentary, it looked like the main character was originally, perhaps as just a placeholder, sort of like a, a, a green alien blob type <laughs> character. Yeah. You, how did you settle on Momoka as the protagonist? Kind of just casting around for designs, really. Um, yeah, we started off with that little alien. I don't think uh, he or she really ever got a, a name or a gender or anywhere as far as that, but it didn't seem quite enough for the player to identify with really given that the story is this you know this, this child heading out into this galaxy exploring it saving the sun and so on it seemed like it needed to be something a bit more that uh, the player could identify with and we kind of cast around for ideas um and, and ben suggested this kind of little red riding hood type of figure which again you know even even that story is the same you know? uh so yeah we thought look sounded great really and um we kind of tried it originally in the 2d days but we could never draw a model we were happy with um, but then quite soon after that, we swapped to 3D and then um, had another try at this because we'd really loved this character. Uh, and then it, it kind of worked out and went from there, really. So you would say that you had an easier time designing it once you switched to 3D? Yes. Somehow it, it just seemed to work better for us, really. I mean, I guess that's one thing we didn't mention too much in the, the 2D to 2.5D, but I think we just both found it easier to work with 3D tooling and the idea of doing it and we really love the low poly art style as well that has become quite popular actually since we kind of chose it for Momoka. So this game underwent not only the art style change but the name change and other changes over its three years of development and yet one of the platforms it came out for Apple TV is only four months old. You were working for two and a half years to release a game on a platform that wasn't even out yet. What was it like being one of the first developers for tvOS? It sounds like we've been pretty cunning. <laughs> but uh, no, I think, yeah, so it, it, it's quite pleased. We're quite pleased to be um, prominently sort of featured on the TV. And we've definitely had a lot of good feedback about it. And I think it's um, technically developing for the Apple TV has been very, very much the same as developing for iOS. It's not much difference in terms of um, producing the TV app rather than the iOS app. And I think in terms of the performance, um, you know, HD TV at 1080p is lower resolution than the iPad and probably for a newer chip. So in terms of performance, there's been no issues. The main the main difference has been, I suppose, the, the because you have the Siri remote. So it took a bit of time to find um, a control scheme that we were happy with. Yeah, that was the, the main technical obstacle was the Siri remote. 
I tried both the Siri remote and the Nimbus Steel controller, and certainly mm. the, the Nimbus blows it away. Yeah, I mean, gamepads have been developed for 40 years now to be the perfect game control device, really. Yeah, we'd love, it's we'd excellent love, like that. We'd love to see another button on the Siri remote that we can use. That's, uh, that's what we'd like to see. Uh, but Steve Jobs hates buttons. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> when you log into your App Store account, are you able to see the breakdown on what devices your game is being run on? Uh, yes. Uh, well, um, we're able to see what, where the user bought the app, so on what store they bought it on. But, but, it's the but same of course, we don't know practice. how many people. Yeah, it's a universal purchase. So if you buy it on iPad or iPhone, you'll get it on your TV. Uh, but we don't know how many people are buying it on, say, iPad and then deciding to go home and use it on the TV. So we don't know where people prefer to buy the app versus okay. where they prefer to play the app. Because certainly there are more iOS devices out there than tvOS, so I wouldn't be surprised if that is the more popular platform. But I was just wondering if you had some sort of a sense of uh, how they how they related to each other. No, there's it just doesn't exist in the analytics in the uh, iTunes account. Gotcha. Uh, I suspect it's easier to type details and whatnot into your iPad as well. So I think we'd probably see a lot on the phone. You know, yeah, someone sitting on the train home and then they play it on the TV. It's hard to tell, really. We're just speculating. One of the other platforms that this game was originally scheduled to come out on was the Mac. Will we ever see it on the Mac or even, say, PS4 or Vita? Yes. I mean, it's it's kind of a matter of time, really, with the Mac, because a lot of the development was done on the Mac. You know, it, 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 so it's run from day one on the Mac, actually, before it did on iOS. We just need to kind of, you know, put a HUD on and optimize it for desktop graphics cards. Um, but yeah, pretty much any platform, really. We're looking to go to Steam quite soon. Um, both a great fan of the 3DS, and I think it'd, it'd fit quite nicely mm. on the platform. Um, but honestly, I mean, there's, there's no reason to restrict yourself to platforms, I think. We'll do content updates while we do it, because, you know, I think it's, it is designed to be a, you know, an Apple TV and an iPad game right now. And it's not, there are changes, I think, that should be made if it's going to be a PC game or a console game or a 3DS game. They're, they, you know, they're all slightly different platforms and slightly different expectations and so on about how a game should work. So we'll, we'll make those changes if, if we go onto those platforms. But yeah, nothing official yet. Yeah, I mentioned PS4 and Vita, but I just threw those out. Now that you mention it, the games that you're drawing from, Super Mario Galaxy, Link's Awakening, even Cave Story, were available on systems like the DS and even the Wii. So it seems like Momoka would be a good fit. It'd be in good company on platforms like those. Yes, 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 yes. Cave Story got that rather wonderful 3DS port where they uh, redid all the graphics, I think, and made it turn half D. Yes. Which was honestly another thing we thought about, probably should have mentioned earlier on. Mm. It's, it's another thing you look at that and you think, wow, doesn't that game look great like that? You want to do a 3D version of Momoka? Uh, as, I mean, that would have to be a sequel, I guess. Um, <laughs> we, we've talked about a lot of things in, in the, these sort of things. It does, you know, as soon as we put the, the 2.5D in, they thought, well, it's, it's okay going left and right, but it'd be nice if we go in and go around the planet as well. Wouldn't that be cool? Which is... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the beginning of a lot of work, usually, but we, we haven't made any. Well, you know, if you had IAPs, you could sell extra dimensions. <laughs> God. <laughs> you know, the first dimension is free. If you want the second dimension, it's an IAP. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't get drawn into that. I'm sure that would win you a lot of fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, it's been fascinating to learn all about the evolution of this game and its success on the TVOS. Can you remind our listeners where we can find it and you online? 
Yes, you can you can find us on Felwig.com uh, or on Twitter at Felwig, and you can download Momoko on your Apple TV, your iPad, your iPhone. Thank you so much for your time, Duncan Steele and Benjamin Withers of Felwig Games. Uh, links to all the stuff you mentioned will be in the show notes. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. This has been Indie Cider, a Game Bits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at indiesider.net. Thank you.